Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm so thankful that you're listening today. We've been talking about the Deep Faith Questions series here on the podcast, and I'm very excited to be chatting with somebody today about their story as well as what I consider a a deep faith question surrounding the Christian faith. Today's guest is a pastor, a global outreach pastor from Park Community Church in Chicago. He's been in ministry for many years and has led short-term mission trips to 70-plus different countries. Am I right? Over 70 countries? Yeah, over 70. Yeah. Wow. Um, He's been married for 43 years. He has two adult kids and four or five grandkids. Four and a fifth on the way. Wow. Okay. Uh, Dave C., please welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Janelle. Well, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, We're both here because of our mutual friend, Melanie Castaneda. She's a very dear friend of mine. She's been on this podcast a couple of times, and uh, she spoke very highly of you. And I'm really excited to hear more about your story and uh, who you are. So do you want to share anything that I didn't share uh, in the intro? Um, well, yourself? you you kind of covered it there, Janelle. I mean, the, all the all the key things. I mean, my <laughs> wife and children and grandkids. I mean, that, those are the key pieces, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you? Let's start from the beginning. How did you come to faith? How? Why is the Christian faith important to you? Yeah. Well, actually, I um, grew up in a very religious family, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, we were we went to church like multiple times a week, um, all the time I was growing up. Uh, and we were the first ones there every single time. So, um, just, um, really had a strong value in religion and in God and kind of always believed in God. Um, but, um, I, I really, I, I, when I graduated from high school, went off to college, it, it sort of was like, you know, what's that really all about? And I kind of went through a time where it was like, I, I don't know that, that God is that relevant. And, um, and so I just kind of, you know, I'd been going to church my entire life and just was like, you know, 
Sunday mornings are a great time to sleep in. So I, <laughs> I just, it just really wasn't that important to me. Um, but my sophomore year in college, um, I, I was a, a runner and I, so I was on a cross country and track runner and, um, I had all my friends were cross country runners. And so we, I remember one evening we went to the cafeteria after cross country practice and we were kind of always late. So we were the, it was pretty empty, but there were these two girls that sat down with us at the table and, um, okay, this will, this will date me, but my, they were Jesus freaks. Um, if you, if you, maybe if you know a little history, um, back in the, a long time ago, there was a thing called the Jesus people. Um, and it was, it was sort of this movement that swept the country. Well, really the world. Um, and, and they, we called them the, the people who were, that we call them Jesus freaks. And they were, um, just passionate about Jesus. And I had never met anybody that was like that. Um, and they, they, they weren't religious, but they were just, they, they were in love with God and, and in love with Jesus. And um, it was fascinating to me. And they, they were just, they just kept talking about Jesus. And I thought, I, I've been a Christian all my life. And I just don't see what there is to be that excited about. Uh, mm -hmm. But it fascinated me. So I, I really began to say, okay, what is it that about these two girls that, that it, it causes them to be so excited about Jesus? And so I really wanted to, to, to explore that. And, and that was what God used to uh, really draw me to himself. And it was at that point, I, I said, you know, I, I really, I guess in, in essence, what they, what I saw was they were not excited about religion. They were excited about Jesus. And th there was a big difference. It was, it was not this duty of, okay, I need to do this. I need to not do this, you know, but it was really about seeing this, that God loved them so much and he and jesus was somebody who was real and who had died for them and that was that was something that that really god used to grab my life and heart and that was when i really um, gave my life to jesus so mm. that's kind of wow. in a, believe it or not that's in the nutshell, a nutshell of it <laughs> i love that um I was going to have a very special podcast co-host, and she'll co-host with me some other time, but my exchange daughter, Ruby, who has, is the only exchange daughter who has not been on this podcast. I will note Ruby for you listening later. Um, and uh, But she, she had to work or have school. So, um, But she had a question, and I, I think it's relevant to what you just shared. What is the difference between... Christianity and other world religions? What is the, why Christianity? Why? Because clearly we're going to talk about global missions here in a second. Um, but what makes Christianity so unique in your opinion? You got caught up in the love for Jesus, but what does that really look like? Yeah, that's a great question too. Uh, I think I would say, Ruby, that's a, that's a question a lot of people have um, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, and and I think one of the ways that it's often phrased is, you know, isn't it like um, all roads lead to God, um, and everybody's just just taking their own road um, to 
God. Um, and and um, I, you know, I actually teach a class on world religions. Um, and and one of the things that that makes Christianity distinct among all the world religions is that essentially you could narrow it down to say that every religion is about man's effort to get to God. Um, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're all have different do's and don'ts. Um, you know, Muslims, you, you pray five times a day, you fast a certain month of the year and et cetera. Um, and, um, Buddhism, a different uh, set of guidelines of what you're supposed to do and not do um, to get good karma and etc. The the difference is that in in the Bible it talks about not our efforts to get to God, but how God um, gave Jesus to take our place. That that basically in in Christianity, um, as as we look at the Bible, it says that that no one um, is able to to please God. No one is able to do everything that God would want because it really isn't about trying to um, have your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. You know, which is what most people I think view. Uh, literally around the world, most people view it as, okay, well, if I do more good things, whatever that looks like, there are more good things than there are bad things, then maybe God will accept me, you know, um, and, and essentially the Bible um, is pretty clear, I think, saying that it's not possible to do what God demands because God demands perfection. It's not mm -hmm. just doing more good than bad. It's actually literally, if, if we sin, we, we cannot be in God's presence because God is perfect and holy and nothing that's sinful, evil, can live in his presence. And so we can't be good enough to, to earn God's acceptance. We'd, we'd have to be perfect and no one is perfect. Um, and so Jesus paid the price, paid the penalty, you know, because the, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. And so we cannot do that um, but on our own. Jesus was the one who died on the cross in our place. So I guess that's how I would articulate it. But it's, it really is not about trying to do more good than it is than, than bad. It really is accepting Jesus' sacrifice and his payment for our sins and acknowledging that we can't do enough to, to earn God's favor. Hmm. And you said you teach a world religions class. Is there any other religion that teaches that? Anything close? No, there really isn't. Um, I mean, it's it, it really is every other religion is is trying to to earn God's favor. Um, mm -hmm. And so it, it really is hoping that, you know, if I it, I mean, essentially, if you cut every religion down to its bare bones, um, it really is the difference between saying, can I do enough good? to uh, that god would accept me 
Um, and and in, in Christianity, we say we can't. It's impossible mm-hmm. to do enough to, to earn God's yeah. acceptance. So it really, I think Christianity is unique in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to ask you this, but I will. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I... I see it all the time. And I guess lately it's been, um, it's been more evident maybe because of the lockdown. I don't know. Maybe I've been listening to too many different sermons, but it feels like, um, it's a common trap to fall into as Christians as well, that there's something innate in human nature to want to try to earn our salvation. What is that? What, what is that about us? And do you see that as well? I know you're a pastor of a large church or you're part of the pastoral team. So, is that a common thing or is it just my own perception that I see people trying to earn it even in the Christianity realm? I think, I think that's especially true in America where mm-hmm. we have this, you know, pull myself up by my own bootstraps and, you know, um, the, I mean, in your job, um, you earn promotion by doing a better job than somebody else does. Um, that's how you're going to get promoted. You're going to be successful if you work hard at it and, and do all the right things. And so I think there's this, in, in, uh, I think it's true around the world, but I think especially for us Americans, we, we, um, we want to believe that we're able to do enough that, that we can, if I work hard, I mean, that's, that's the good work ethic that we have, you know, in the West, especially uh, in the West, Western world. We, we believe that if I work hard, I will earn promotion. I will earn success. I will earn prosperity, you know. And so I think that, that that's understandable and normal in one sense or, or, or common that we would all have this desire to earn our way. Um, and not, not in a sense, not be a freeloader, you know, not, not <laughs> sit back and, and depend on somebody else. You know, we, we, I think that's part of our identity too, is that, that we get our identity in, in our, I mean, most, most men, especially, I think, get their identity. If you ask somebody, okay, what is it you do? Who are you? They will tell you well, I work here at this place and this is what I do, you know? Um, and so I think there's that, that kind of innate, um, or at least cultural value that we have to, to earn what we get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I've never thought of it as a cultural thing. I, I know like when I think of, um, the parable of, uh, the prodigal son, right. And, you know, the one son stays and he's doing all the work and then the other son takes off and goes and spends his dad's money and he, you know, takes his inheritance and he says, see you later and basically gives a big F you to his dad. You know, I mean, just that's basically what it is. And so he goes away and then he ends up destitute alone. He recognizes his brokenness. He comes back to the father. The father welcomes him with open arms, loves on him. And then the son that's been doing the good thing the whole time it's kind of like, what the heck, you know? And um, so I do think there's a human nature, but I do think you're right. I I see it in the West as well. You know, we're just, it, it's all, um, going back to that, Josh White, he says, like, we have uh, the Declaration of Independence, but the Christian worldview is a declaration of complete dependence yes. 
on a savior who did what we can't do. And um, so I I love that. Yeah. And I think that that parable of the the lost son, the prodigal son is a great one for that because that son who had basically wasted everything was destitute, came back and he didn't have anything to offer. Um, and I mean, his, his one thing was, okay, well, I'll serve you. I'll be a servant mm. and I'll work hard for you. That kind of a mentality. And, and yeah. the father, it, it wasn't a, okay, well, if you work really hard for the next five years, I'll accept you. And no, it was, he just open, open arms, accepted him the way he was. And I think that's, that's a great picture of, of God, um, in mm. Christianity. Yeah, I love that. All right, Dave. Well, it's one thing to be overcome with the Jesus movement, to see uh, Jesus freaks and go, wow, I want what they've got. It's another thing to dedicate your whole life to missions. What happened to you? Well, um, it's it's interesting. I, I, um, after I gave my life to Jesus uh, in college, I really had, one of the first things that happened was I really, had this desire to tell other people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was so enamored with Jesus that here's somebody that accepts me as I am, not because of what I've done, but because of who he is. And, and um, th- I think that, that just overwhelmed me with the desire to tell other people. And so I just, I, I became a Jesus freak. I mean, I was, I just wanted to tell everybody about it, about Jesus. And so I did. I mean, I was, I was starting Bible studies. I, I was um, doing team meetings with our track team and basketball team and, in college. And, um, and, and I said, man, I, I wish I could do this with my whole life. I just, I wish I didn't have to go to class. And I mean, really, I, I went to class, but that was about all I did in college for the last two years, you know. Um, but it really was just I, I saw it as I'm here to, to tell people about Jesus. And so at, when I, when I um, as I was getting ready to graduate, um, and I did graduate, but I, as I got re- was getting ready, um, I said, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could just do this full time? And so mm-hmm. I actually joined a, a, a ministry uh, working with high school students and, um, got to, got to do the same thing, just share Christ with, with students. Um, and then I started taking, um, high school students on short-term trips and, um, going for like two weeks at a time and just, you know, doing kids clubs and sharing Christ with people. And, and I saw that more happened in that two weeks than in the entire year of working with high school students. So um, I, I ended up joining staff with another organization that just did that, just took high school and college students on short-term trips. And we, we took, we, this was back in the day before there really was a lot of short-term missions trips and we were taking students over to Europe. And, mm-hmm. um, and I saw the incredible need there um, I mean, in, in those days, we, we they used to say that there were about 300,000 towns and villages in Europe that had not a single Protestant church, um, wow. people, people who were Jesus followers. And, um, 
I mean, I think one of the first things was going to a, a city of 100,000 people. And I'm, I was there on a Sunday and um, I found out there was a church there, uh, a little Protestant church, and went to this church and there were about 30 people there. And they said, yeah, this is, these are the Christians in this city. So about 30 Christians in a city of 100,000 people. And so I think that was the thing where I, I was living at the time in a typical American city where there was a church on almost every corner, you know, and, and here to find out that this was the only church in, a, in an entire city. Um, and I think that was a big um, factor in, in what really led me to be more engaged in, in missions around the world, just to see the need of, of um, the world there. Wow. Was that mostly Eastern Europe at that time, or was it also it, some Western It was countries? all, yeah, Eastern and Western wow. Europe, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've shared on this podcast, I think, before, but obviously we host exchange students from around the world, and um, it's interesting. I remember when we were going to host um, our daughter from the Netherlands and just researching a little bit about the country and um, couldn't... I mean, my mind was blown <laughs> initially with uh, the rise of atheism and agnosticism there. And um, I love Lika and her family like crazy. I mean, they're, they're my family. Um, but it just opened my eyes. Um, but going back, going back to what you were saying earlier about short-term missions, um, when I was 15, we... I had an amazing youth pastor and um, YWAM came to our church. Uh, I was actually 14 at the time. We did this amazing um, allegory story to uh, the gospel, Toymaker and Son. And um, we took this uh, back to the Philippines. We went to the Philippines for three weeks when I was 15. And because um, my pastor had grown up there as a missionary's kid. And I have to tell you, Dave, that experience, probably more than any other experience in my life, changed my life. Um, just like what you're saying, you know, seeing people in uh, physical, you know, <laughs> desolation and yet having the joy of the Lord, um, having so little in material possessions and yet being so full of life and hospitality. Um, I thought, man, I want what they're having. <laughs> the same thing. And then... Um, followed up with that with a couple other uh, short-term missions when I was um, in high school. And I, I totally agree. What do you think is so special about short-term missions? Why does it change? Why does it change everything in your opinion? Well, I think it gets us out of our comfort zone. Um, you know, we're, we're so, I think as humans, we're so wrapped up in what we see, feel, taste, touch, you know, and um, doing something that's completely different outside our comfort zone. And then also to have an extended period of time where we're focused on um, our relationship with Jesus and telling people about Jesus, you know, serving others. I think that, that, um, that doesn't normally happen in life. You know, and we, we've got so many things going on. If you're in school, you've got homework and you've got classes and you've got friends and, you know, and, and um, you've got so many stimuli there. And then when you go, especially in a cross-cultural setting, 
um, it, it just is, it, it puts you in a totally different uh, frame of mind, I think. And, and mm. then, like you said, to see um, that, that, okay, I, I, I often think, okay, I've got so many needs here. And then to realize that, that when I see somebody that's living in a slum or, you know, um, the really struggling with, with, you know, lack of possessions or even lack of food or clean water, you know, and, and the things that we take for granted, um, mm -hmm. I think that's a big piece of it too, is just to say, okay, not everybody around the world has the same kind of life that I have here. You know, and so I think it opens our eyes in that way. Yeah, I, I agree. So um, I wanted to ask you a hard faith question, deep faith question. That's the name of the series. Oh, so I might as well yes. ask you. Um, I think you know what's coming. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, uh, a national political slash identity crisis. Here in the West, the church seems so divided over things like face masks. And meanwhile, people are being told, um, this was a headline on CNN recently, um, to be prepared to hunker down for the foreseeable future. Why global missions? Why now? Don't we have enough problems? Yeah, great question. I think that is another really common question that people have is, hey, there's so many needs right where we are, that why should we focus on, on other countries and people around the world, you know, um, and I think that's really common. So I live in Chicago, and um, the, it's really common in the large urban centers um, to have that and and that 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 mindset, that question. Um, I mean, I have just around the corner, um, about two blocks away from where I live, is a big homeless camp, and it's I mean it's under a freeway and it's um there are probably 50 people who live in under tarps and in tents you know and i could say man there's a ton of needs right there um mm -hmm. and i think i'd go back to um well several things one i'd go back to the bible first and foremost um you know and in in the bible often we i think we see um the nations as kind of an afterthought uh in the bible you know it's sort of like i think a lot of christians especially think of um it's like okay well jesus was on earth for 33 years and lived his whole life had his ministry and then at the very end of his life um as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven he, it, 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 the mindset is almost like he, he was getting ready to ascend into heaven and he suddenly thought, wait a minute, guys, I almost forgot. Hey, take the, make disciples of all nations. Don't, don't do it just here, but do all, go to all nations, tell people in other cultures and nations about me. I almost forgot that. So I'm glad I remembered before I left for heaven. <laughs> well, that, that's not the way it happened. <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, the, in reality, the, the nations and God's heart for the nations, all nations, really is from Genesis all the way through Revelation. I mean, um, mm -hmm. the, the story of Abraham in the Old Testament in, in Genesis 
chapter 12 uh, in, in Genesis says that, that uh, God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I want to bless you and I'm going to make you a great nation. But then he said, so that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Mm. Um, and, and throughout the Old Testament, um, um, when, when, when Solomon was building the temple, one of the pieces that, that as he was dedicating the temple, one of the things that happened was he, he actually, he was instructed by God to, to have a court, it's called the court of the Gentiles. And in the, the court of the Gentiles was actually one of the biggest areas of the entire temple. And Solomon was, in, when he was dedicating the temple, he said, God, when the foreigner comes, when the person from other countries come who are not Jews, would you hear their prayers and answer their prayers so that they will know, people from other nations will know that you're God um, and that you're unique, you're different than any other God. Um, in Psalms, it, it says uh, that, that may God bless us, Psalm 67 says, may God bless us so that all the nations will, will come and worship me. Um, and then throughout the rest of the Bible, all the way through, um, in, in um, Acts chapter 1, the, the, uh, another story of when Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he, he said, um, that go um, and, and go to Jerusalem. You're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, one of the things that he did not say there was he didn't use the two-letter word or. He never said go to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. It was and. The word and is in there. So it, I really believe that, that we're called as Christians to, to be world Christians. I think John Stott, a uh, famous pastor in London a number of years ago, said that all Christians should be world Christians because God is a global God. And I think that's true. It's it. So that's one piece that I think we're, we're um, by in scripture, the, the, the Bible talks about our responsibility to all nations. Um, and so I, I, I mean, um, I don't think that um, it's that big of a, um, I, I don't think we have that many churches that would say, well, we're so focused on the nations that we're not aware of our, our needs right here. Um, it, it really is the opposite, I think. Most, like I think like we said earlier, most people are so focused on what there is right around them, what they see and taste and touch and feel, um, that, that we're focused on those needs, rightly so. I think we need to be um, on those needs right next to us. But we need to also keep an eye on the world and our responsibility to, to the nations. Um, Revelation chapter five, Revelation chapter seven, so it, it paints a picture of when uh, at the last days, you know, when, when Jesus returns, takes those who believe in him uh, to heaven, it says that there will be people from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. Um, and, and worshiping him. And, and in my mind, it's sort of like, um, I view it almost like an orchestra. Uh, 
where you know there's all kinds of instruments adds to the fullness the richness of a concert um, and if you take out uh, all the instruments except for one uh, you're really missing the the richness of it and i think that's the picture i get of of heaven where there will be people from every language and culture worshiping jesus and it's just going to be this amazing experience of seeing the fullness of jesus is worth the worship of every person on earth every creature so anyway i got a little long-winded there sorry about that uh, no i i that's awesome um have you ever read crazy love by francis chu yes okay yes so yeah. um a few years ago before we started hosting exchange students i read that book and um it's it, for me, it was fantastic. It, it started to bring up all these um, things that I'd been wrestling in my own heart with, uh, but somebody had actually put them on the page. And, um, you know, if God is who he says he is, then what is our response to that, you know? And if Jesus is who he says he is, then how can we not share him with the world, you know? And at the end of that book, uh, Francis Chan goes into a bunch of examples of people living this crazy love out loud. And I remember reading that book, feeling so, number one, so inspired, and secondly, so stuck. Uh, like, I can't, I can't do all these things, right? And feeling like yeah. that was somehow a reflection of me not being, <laughs> going back to the latter, good enough, mm -hmm. right? A good enough Christian. Here I was, a, I had four babies. My youngest, I think, was still, a, I mean, she was eight months old, I think, at the time. I was leading a woman's Bible study. Um, but I felt like, oh my gosh, I got to do more. And um, I did an outreach event, uh, all these different things, started telling my husband, you know, we should sell everything and move to the Philippines. I've always had a heart for the Philippines since I've been there. He's like, Janelle, uh, I'm an administrator for a school here. I love it. Uh, I don't feel called to the mission field like that. Okay, well, we should sell our house and move to a tiny home with our four kids, right? I don't think we should do that. Um, well, I think we should adopt. Well, maybe we could, but I don't know if we're going to be here. So all, this whole thing, I remember going to, um, on a women's retreat, it was like my first time alone with my own thoughts in a long time. And I remember just like pouring this out to God on the beach, being like, Lord, I want to be all in for you. I, whatever you're giving, I want to be part of it, but I don't know how. And, um, and that was when I saw a poster for hosting exchange students from all over the world, young women and people who maybe have never heard the gospel before. <laughs> and I was like, that's not an orphan or a widow. <laughs> that's not missions. <laughs> I mean, in my mind, I was like shaming myself that it wasn't good enough. And um, because Francis Chan didn't talk about that in his book. And um, <laughs> I have a, a negative thought life sometimes. But I remember coming home. And my husband and I, you know, we were, we had sat down together. I was talking with him. I got on my computer and there was something there that said, uh, you know, host an exchange student for a year in a local group. And it said, meet Lika from the Netherlands. And, and fast forward, right, she became our exchange daughter. And I talked to her every week, um, even after the year that she spent with us. Um, that is our mission field. Uh, but it's, I think there's probably somebody listening to this who maybe feels that way, like, stuck like how do you engage in what you want because <laughs> now I'm being long-winded but I remember in high school um 
you know, our pastor, our youth pastor, he was very specific about this. He said, you can pray for a burden and God will give it to you, but you be careful how you pray for it. Uh, he had prayed that God would give him a burden for the lost and that he would know what it felt like uh, to desire people to come to him and to not. And he said it was the worst pain ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can pray for that and God will give it to you. And so um, what, what do you say to somebody who maybe has a burden for the lost and has a burden for global missions, but feels like, well, I can't go right now? Yeah, yeah I'm just a mom or I'm just a guy who works in an office or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I think there are, um, I, I think one, you know, I, I agree with John Stott that everybody should be a global Christian. Um, that if we are, if we're followers of Jesus, we are to be global Christians. Now, what does that mean exactly? That, that doesn't mean I pack my bag, sell everything and go <laughs> overseas to, a, you know, to Africa. You know, that's not at all what it means. Now, I think there are some, I, I think there are, there are more of those that, that we should be mm. um, open to that, but that's not for everybody. Um, but there are lots of opportunities to be engaged globally. Um, I, I mean, can I give a couple practical ones? Mm. I mean, the, if, you've got a, if you've got a smartphone, um, you can download the, the Joshua Project app on your phone okay. and the, the Joshua Project app um, comes up with a every single day. It, it gives you an unreached people group of the day mm-hmm. and you can pray for that people group, people who don't have access to the gospel. You know, an unreached people group is, is a group that does not have access to the gospel. So they have nobody who speaks their language, understands their culture, who loves and follows Jesus and on literally nobody who, and and there are groups of millions of people where there's not a single person who speaks their language, understands their culture, could, could share the gospel with them, but, but we can pray for them. And so the Joshua project app is a great way for people to be more engaged in a couple minutes a day. It gives you a picture. It gives you where these people live and maybe two or three things to be praying for them. Um, that's an easy thing you could do every morning, you know, for three minutes and, and be able to, to have an impact around the world. I, I love what you're doing, Janelle, of, of hosting international students. Uh, you know, I, international students who come to America, um, they say that about 87% of them will come to America spend anywhere from four to eight years here. And when they leave, they have never once gone into the home of an American. Hmm. Um, and it's a, it's an incredible opportunity for us to even not, you know, and you've done it for a year at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, they, uh, you can do it just a meal. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, we have, we, at our church, we encourage people to host an international student for Thanksgiving and for Christmas and for Easter and just have them in for a meal and, and serve a meal and, and get to know them. Um, great way to do that. Um, there, there are refugees from all over the world that are here in America and another great, easy way to get involved, um, globally without ever leaving your home. 
you know, give, we, we encourage people to even donate things um, to refugee families who are coming into the country um, who come with absolutely nothing. So they need clothing, furniture, food, everything, you know. So that's an easy, an, another easy way to do that. Is there um, an organization that you would suggest for the refugees for getting connected? Yeah, World Relief is a great organization um, that, that has offices all over the country. And, and they can usually put you in touch with a, with a, a refugee family. Um, that's, that's another one. Um, there was another thought I had. Um, about that. Oh, uh, th there's an organization called Crescent Project, um, and they do a great job of training uh, people in how to how to um, reach out to befriend and, and share Christ with Muslims. Mm. And um, they actually have a program called the Embassy Program that you can find at uh, crescentproject.org. Um, and their their Embassy Program you, um, if you are willing to invest up to 45 minutes a, a week, um, you can get connected. They help you under, figure out how to get connected to people around the world who are looking for friends and looking for conversation partners and, and some who are even um, exploring spiritual issues mm. and wanting to have conversations with Christians. Um, that's another great program, the, the embassy program wow. that they run. Well, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you two final questions. Um, the first one, uh, you know, I know just having gone on a few mission trips that you come away with incredible stories of God moving. Is there a story that you could share about the difference that the gospel made or that something, something tangible shifted on one of those trips that you've taken? Oh boy, um, my 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 struggle with that question is which one yeah. to share. So um, <laughs> I know you've got but, some. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've got some. Yes, um, I one of the really cool things that happened was uh, I, I a number of years ago I was um, with a couple friends. We went on a trip um, and we're smuggling Bibles mm. into a country where it was not legal to for people to own Bibles. And so we were, we had actually, you know, the, the passage where uh, Peter and John were told, don't, don't share your faith with people. The government told them, You're, it's not allowed, You're, you can't do that. And they said, we have to obey God rather than man. And so anyway, we were, we were taking Bibles into this country that where it was illegal. And um, we had gotten, God just miraculously, I mean, the, the, I could tell you a long story about how God did it, that we were able to get literally hundreds of Bibles mm -hmm. into this country. And um, so we got there and I, I was, we pulled into a rest stop uh, at, at, shortly after we got inside the country and these, a car pulled in behind us and there were two men in the car. Well, I was pretty eager to get a chance to give somebody a Bible. <laughs> so I walked over and um, in my broken language, I just knew a few words and it, I, I kind of knew the phrase, this is a gift. And so I, I held out a small Bible and, and said to this man, this is a gift. Mm -hmm. And he, um, he took it and he started looking at it and then he 
realized it was a Bible. And, and I knew the word for Bible in that language. And so he, I could tell he knew this. He saw this as a Bible and his eyes were big. He was just, he was just kind of overcome with this is a Bible. This is a Bible. And the other guy who was in the passenger seat of the car grabbed it from him and they started fighting over who could, who was going to get this Bible. And I pulled out another one from my, I had the second one. I said, no, no, this is a gift for you. And they, the one man started crying and, um, I had a friend who spoke the language who came over and he started having a conversation with them. And the, the man, the one man who was crying said that my grandmother had a Bible. And I, I'm getting emotional. He said, I saw a Bible one time when I was a little boy. And this man was middle-aged. He said, I had once saw a Bible and I've never thought I'd give people to have one myself and that to me was just this to see the hunger the the excitement the, the emotion that this man was able to have his very own bible and read a bible for himself that that was one of the that, that would be one of my top wow. <laughs> experiences wow that's amazing do you know if he came to faith or i don't I, the, 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 my friend had a good conversation with him, um, and actually pointed him to a place where he could find a, a pastor wow. there in that country. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, as you're telling that story, I'm thinking, man, that's gutsy. First of all, to, you know, smuggle a bunch of Bibles into a country where I'm guessing you could probably be jailed or worse, you know, if you were caught. And then also, um, to just, you know, start handing them out, not knowing who those men were. Um, if you could give a message to the American church about uh, sharing faith, what, what would the gist of it be? I think um, I would say that it's, um, it shouldn't be another to-do list. <laughs> you know, something, an item on our to-do list and, okay, now I need to go share my faith. But, but to become so passionately intimate with Jesus that we can't shut our mouths. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I would say to the church. I'd say yeah. we, we need to not look at it as something that's, uh, okay, I can check that off my box. But, but I think we need to personally be at a place where I can't keep my mouth shut. You know, if I, if I go to a, a restaurant that's super good, like I've got this place here in Chicago, they, they serve Korean tacos and it is like, man, these are the best thing I've ever tasted. Well, I tell everybody I can think I can meet. If you want something that's delicious, that's incredible, go to this place, you know? And, and I, I think that's where we need to be with Jesus where it's like, this is so rich, so amazing. I can't, I can't shut up about this. I want to tell everybody about yeah. this. And, and I think yeah. that's, that's where we need to be with Jesus. Yeah, that's good. All right, this is the final question. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love of those gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. So restoration, 
or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love, which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Um, I would say, as I look through my whole life, um, and probably now too, um, Jesus' love is the one that, that just, I mean, to, to, to realize that, that Jesus even loves me as messed up, as broken as I am, that Jesus loves me unconditionally. That, that to me is the, the thing that it just, I, I can't get over that. It overwhelms me. Well, Dave, thank you for this conversation. It's been a huge blessing for me personally, and I can't wait to share it with people. So thank you. Thanks, Janelle. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast, and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, And a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.